Welcome everyone to another episode of Everything Imaginable. I am your host, Gary Cacciolillo. And before we get started, I want to thank the contributors to my show who are executive producers Candace Sanderson, author of The Reluctant Messenger, and Ms. Aida, psychic and author of Hoodoo Cleansing Protection Magic. Also, Damian Keller, binaural production engineer, author of Sounds Good, Sounds Great, and monthly co-host Jared Murphy, author of It's Not Aliens, It's Worse, It's Us. If you are interested in contributing to this podcast, go to my website, everythingimaginable2020.com, and you'll find everything you need there. And now, without further ado, our guest for today is Warren Juice, and he has written a book called Evidence of Extraterrestrials. Over 40 cases. Thank you for coming back on, Warren. Of course. Thank you for having me on. Um, so we were talking a little bit before we started the show um, about some of the more recent things that have come up in the UFO news, uh, because there has been a lot. Um, so what are some of the things that, that you find the most captivating? Um, I guess we have to mention the, the UFO report, which, which was recently published. Um, and basically, what I found very interesting about this report is that from all the explanations which, which they provided, they didn't consider the, the extraterrestrial hypothesis. Um, with that being said, the report itself, it did confirm that these UAP have advanced technology. Um, but the explanations and possibilities they provided were, were quite odd, to be honest. They stated they, that the UAP could be airborne clutter, uh, natural phenomena, developmental programs, foreign systems, or other. But they didn't specify what this other category was. Um, and I just found it extremely interesting that they didn't consider the ET hypothesis as a plausible, as a plausible explanation. Right. You know, I, I found that report just to be a whole bunch of double speak. You would say one thing, and then somewhere else in the report, you would contradict it. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it was almost like reading a blank piece of paper, honestly. It really was. And, and like you said, you read one thing at the beginning of the report, then two pages in, they say something which is completely, which completely contradicts what they said in the beginning. So... It's it, there's a lot of uh, loopholes in it. Have they come out? I don't even I don't really follow it that closely because I know the first report was like 19 pages, but it was supposed to be a 78 page report coming out. The full report yeah. has that come out yet? No, it hasn't. That is uh, the supposedly classified version of it, and um, it hasn't come out yet. It's, it hasn't been declassified. But I wonder if in that report they will even touch upon the idea of these UAP being um, extraterrestrial. Uh, and something that which I find very interesting is that, so naturally this report focuses on the videos which were declassified, uh, the Tic Tac UFO, mm -hmm. the gimbal, um, so on and so forth. And David Favor, who was the commander um, in the Tic Tac incident, right. he, himself, he himself said that, um, that it's makes sense that these objects are extraterrestrial hmm. uh, but in no point in that report did they mention the possibility of them being out of this world so why do you think they even bothered 
to go through all this trouble to release those videos and then put out a report that says absolutely nothing? Uh, that's a good question. Um, why did they bother? I think because they have no other choice. Um, we have these declassified footages. Uh, for example, Jeremy Corbell, he's releasing footages. He released two others. Um, and now we have all of these people, military personnel, coming out and saying, listen, these objects, um, they, they're otherworldly. They couldn't be terrestrial. And that leaves the, the Air Force with no other option but to actually investigate. And, but, but, you know, what could they say in the report? They're definitely not going to come out and say that these objects are, are extraterrestrial because I think that they're not in a position to, to say that yet. Why were they not in a position to say that yet? Is it because of just human influence or do you think the extraterrestrials themselves are telling the government, hey, don't tell people the truth yet? I think it's the former. Uh, for instance, if we look at the, the report, um, it says that these UAP possess advanced technology, advanced technology that not only defies the natural laws, the laws of physics, the laws of aerodynamics, um, and this technology, we just cannot replicate it. Now, if the report is saying that, um, and in the same report, they say, listen, these objects are extraterrestrial, that puts the, the Air Force in a very weird position because you're saying essentially that these objects are more advanced, um, implying that you do not have as much control as you say you have. And then you have to keep, you have to keep in mind then the Russians and the Chinese because they certainly aren't talking about it. Mm-hmm. So, so if the US government is saying that we don't have um, as much power as we, as we, we say we have, what does it imply when it comes to other, other countries as well? Right. I mean, that could be part of the reason. However, I mean, especially the United States in general, we have sort of fallen in status as far as the world goes. You know, we, we do are obviously not the same military financial um, power that we once were. Mm-hmm. Um, and the world knows that. The world knows that the United States is sort of coming apart. Um, so, so what I, I, that, that to me still seems like maybe not a good reason. Yeah, yeah. And, and as you said, it is evident that maybe the power isn't what we once believed. But I think with this phenomenon, it's not only concerns the USA, but also on a on a greater perspective the the rest of the world as well maybe i'm not sure if they're discussing this phenomenon uh, with other countries but i know that in the past it was discussed in the united nations um and, and i wonder if there's an influence coming from that part as well possibly I, i've also questioned whether you know maybe the, the some somebody's united nations alliances or something work together to control the information that way. Um, However, that brings me back to why allow those videos to leak? Because those videos, you know, they weren't 
they, they leaked on purpose. They, they came out yeah. on purpose. So yeah. again, we I, it's like this circle that you just can't get out of. Exactly. And and as you said, they were, at first, I'm not sure if you remember, in 2017 when To The Stars first released three footages, they were saying that they were declassified, but in reality they were leaked. Now, I'm not sure how on earth they could access these videos unless they were leaked on purpose. Yeah. Uh, you know, and if they were leaked on purpose, what response are you expecting from people? My opinion is that these videos were leaked, were leaked to start this conversation. Um, and I think that we have started uh, a discourse about the UAP, UAP phenomenon. Um, and slowly, slowly, we're going to get more information bit by bit. Hmm. <laughs> Do you think that maybe there's one group, one camp in the government that did leak it on purpose? hoping for disclosure, and then there's another branch of the government that doesn't want disclosure, and yeah. they are at odds with each other, so one leaks the video, the other one covers it up. I mean, that one, that makes sense. That certainly does, As, and I think there must be frustration on, on, on the people who are experiencing these encounters must feel a lot of frustration. Um, recently, there was an interview about um, a military military person who uh, he works I'm not sure if it, it was the USS on Omaha or Louisville and he said that each time they're doing military exercises they see these UAPs and each time they report them it's like nothing happens hmm. and that is very frustrating yeah now if, if this information is coming out the people who do actually have a say um, these spoke people these spoke persons it maybe they're not, you know, having agreements between them. To they're not agreeing what should the public know and what they shouldn't know. Right. So since then, since that report has come out, there has also been a trickle of other evidence coming out: videos, supposedly documents, stuff like that that's been showing up on Fox News. What do you think of some of that? That's. You know, that I feel like this is part of the disclosure process. I feel like the videos were linked were leaked to start a conversation and now we you know, we received the the, the the report which didn't say much. And now as time is going by, um, I feel like we're going to get more information. Um, I feel like if we compare uh, the position that we are at right now compared to the previous years, we have a lot more information right now. And I feel like if we, in two years' time, if we look back, we're going to know more. And I, this is what I think these reports are. Selective information being released in selective times. So if there is one camp that's releasing this information, another camp that's trying to block it, who do you think these two camps are? Um, I feel like the people who are experiencing these objects, these advanced objects, they are the ones who are releasing this information, who are pushing for disclosure. But then you have the people in the Pentagon who are uh, more aware and they care for the, the, pers the idea of the U.S. having a lot of control and a lot of power, 
who are essentially blocking this information and who are fighting against disclosure. On one hand, you have the people experiencing this, and on the other hand, you have the bureaucratic side of people who do not want this information leaked just yet. So then what do you think the extraterrestrial view is on what we are doing with this information? What do you think they, how do you think they feel or what about what they're observing us doing? Maybe yeah, that's that's a good that's a good point. Um because there are so many different possibilities. Because it um, seems like to me personally, I mean to cut you off, but it seems like they want to be known. I feel like they're here for their own purposes and not ours. And I feel like maybe, you know, this is their way of finding out how we react to these, to these sort of, to these experiences, essentially. When I talked to Whiteley Strieber, um, and if you look at his encounter, there was an experiment they did on him, which essentially they tested his fear um, and how humans react to fear. and apprehension and maybe this is on a larger scale how is the public reacting to to this information um because certainly when you look at these videos a part of you says okay this is really cool but then another part of you also says this is terrifying as well um and i feel like their perspective on this is one of observation they're sort of maybe observing how we are reacting how the how the government is reacting uh, I think that certainly could be an interesting point of view. Hmm. How about the reports of um, the, in a lot of the abduction experience or cases where people are returned healed from certain ailments? Yeah, yeah, um, and in that circ- in that point, we also have to mention those abduction cases who those abductees rather who return with a lot of uh, psychological terror and physical physical ailments as well. Um, on, for example, if we look at the Rendlesham Forest, um, a person, Burroughs, after the encounter he had, he was exposed to this, he suffered from radiation exposure. But then we have the selective group of people who after their encounter, they have this awakening, the spiritual awakening, um, and perhaps Essentially, to them, this is just one big experiment. I always say this, that when we're driving down, we don't stop to have conversations with, with the cows on the side of the road, and, and, and we don't explain to them what's happening. In the same way, they do things that we may not make sense of. And essentially, if you, if you think that you have an answer, you just come up with 10 other questions, which remain unanswered. That's been my experience personally, in researching in researching the phenomenon, you know, when I think I have an answer for this thing, I end up with ten more questions which I cannot answer, and it's very frustrating, <laughs> you know. It is. How about the idea that let's say some of these extraterrestrials are actual biological entities coming from another planet that have the same issues that humans have with, you know just fallible brains and fallible thinking and then you have another set of extraterrestrials that are coming in that are not biological they're coming from another dimension that are more positive um do you think that is a possibility 
I think so, in the sense that if we look at human and human race, we have s several. Um, there were several civilizations on Earth, um, and I feel like in the same sense that we also have to expand our thinking for extraterrestrials as well. There certainly are different races, different intentions, different ideas. Um, on the one hand, uh, if we look at the the UFO reports, especially the abductee reports, people describe many different types of ETs, different types and different intentions, um, but all of which include experimentation. Now, my question is, are these experiments tailored to the ETs, um, perhaps, intentions? Are they here looking for answers? Um, and, and, but that's the one thing that perhaps we haven't figured out yet, how many races there are and what the intentions are. Mm. In, in your research with the you know the 40 more I know you've re researched way more cases than what you've published how many races have you been able to identify um, that's an interesting question um, it, I'll answer this question based on perhaps one of the most I guess abduction cases which are convincing is is Whiteley Strieber. He was able to identify around three or four um, types, let's call them types of aliens. There were the, there were the you know, typical greys, um, where it's like four foot tall, they're very childlike with bulgy eyes. Um, but then there are also, perhaps um, he, he compares them to insect-like where they, they are able to appear and disappear. Um, and then he also compares them to the third type, which are more bulky. He uses the word bulky, which I find very interesting. They are larger. Um, and they are more, they take this military approach of sort of ordering the others around. Um, and even if you look at other cases, you know, people talk about the reptilians, um, Billy Meyer talks about the Playarians, um, and the, for example, the Playarian race, it's interesting, Billy Meyer speaks about it quite a lot. Um, many people seem to observe those type of ETs quite a lot. Hmm. What does a Playarian look like? Look like? Uh, the Playarian are very human-like. Um, Billy compares them to looking like Scandinavians. In the sense that they are tall, they have long hair. Oh, Nordics. Uh, yeah, yeah, um, and and even their approach is very human-like. They have this gentle aura, um, and they do not focus a lot on experimentation. In fact, Billy doesn't mention any sort of experimentation happening. It's more conversation. It's more about dialogue. Now, Billy Meyer's case, we can have an entire debate on whether that is um, authentic or not. It's, it's very complex. But his claims about this Playarian race does hold true when compared to other cases, which also mention this type of um, alien presence. What goes on during these conversations? What do they talk about? And is anything revealed? 
many revealing things. Um, for example, Billy says that in one conversation he had, they, he receives all of these prophecies. Um, and, you know, some of these prophecies actually turned out to be true. But the one thing that they do mention a lot, and which is, um, which is very consistent, is they are warning us, warning us of climate change, which nowadays <laughs> it's becoming more relevant. But keep in mind that these conversations were happening like 50 years ago. Um, he, they warn us of climate change, um, overpopulation, this destruction at these wars which are happening. And when you keep in mind that these conversations were happening like 50 years ago, in hindsight, it makes perfect sense. And it's difficult to, to, to debunk it. It's very difficult to debunk it. Hmm. That's also a similar message, isn't it, that came from Valiant Thor? Um, and it's, yeah, because it's very consistent, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's very consistent. And even if you look at other cases, um, I don't know, I mentioned Strieber quite a lot, but in his case, he does mention the aliens warning him of it, of, global, of, of climate change. Um, the message is clear, and the more time passes, the more it becomes evident that what they warned us is actually happening. Hmm. So if they're warning us, then that means that they're concerned about our species, one would assume. Yeah. That, that, yeah. Is, that, that to them, we are not an experiment. They are not studying us, but they're sort of taking on a caretaker role. And, and even if we look at the planet, the planet Earth, um, it's I, I, it must be a play, a perhaps a station for them. Which are they using? Um, a base, mm-hmm. a base which which they need. Perhaps the position in in the in, in our galaxy, our position in, in the greater in the great universe. Uh, perhaps they need our planet. I'm not sure why. Uh, naturally, I, I don't know why. Perhaps of the number of metals uh, which we have. Stanton Friedman, he, he wrote a book about it, and I asked him about it myself. And he said that our planet is very unique in the sense that, um, first of all, the human race. If we look at the human race, we're, we're quite complex and quite unique. We have a self-destructive race. Um, which isn't, which you don't see it anywhere else, essentially. Um, but the human race aside, our planet is very unique. Its position in in our solar system, it's unique. Um, even the habitat, uh, the amount of metals we have, that's what Stanton says. Uh, Stanton mentions that the metals are very dense, something, something which is unique to Earth. And perhaps they need that. I don't know why, though. Hmm. I don't know. I mean, the metal part of it, I would imagine there would be more of these metals found in asteroid belts than on our planet, because that's where the metals came from. Yeah. I would think maybe it's more has to do with the flora on the planet. And if we kill the flora on the planet, then that might destroy, you know, through global warming then we would be destroying what it is that they're trying to get from our planet. 
yeah yeah the environment definitely plays a part i feel like um the biodiversity must be relevant to them um what is interesting is that um when betty and barney were abducted and betty had this conversation with the leader they did not understand our uh, how we eat uh, they did not understand why we eat meat and why we eat vegetables this sort of idea of nutrition was almost foreign to them um but that is very interesting hmm. what is it you think that humans possess that they don't that is the one question i've been coming to year after year and i just can't seem to find the answer to uh, personally from my point of view the more i look at humanity I, I'm like, why do they even bother? We're so self-destructive. We're destroying not only our human race, but the planet. Um, I believe that it's it's more spiritual for them in the sense that they're trying to look at uh, our psyche. Um, it's And perhaps our physiological anatomy as well. But I feel like it's got more to do with the spirit mm-hmm. than it does with the body and with our behaviors. Interesting. See, I would take that approach probably, I would think that maybe one group of these extraterrestrials, probably the ones from coming from higher dimensions, would care about our spirit and our ability to be multidimensional. However, I also think that these other set of biological aliens would not be so concerned with that. And I wonder, even... Because we are self-destructive and destructive to a planet that we're on, maybe they could weaponize us to destroy other planets. Maybe it's... Yeah, yeah. And and that's when I mentioned the, the observation, you know, when, when they're observing our behaviors, um, perhaps they, they are observing the way we react. Um, but it just... I, I feel like the self-destruction is just unique to humans. Um, I don't know, naturally, I, I, we can't have answers to that, but I struggle to find a reason why, why they are so interested in, our, in us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just wonder, you know, I mean, if we're self-destructive and we're kind of warlike, I mean, think about it. If, if, if they have another planet that they want to invade, just throw a bunch of humans down there. And let them wipe <laughs> everything out. Yeah, that will certainly work. <laughs> yeah, it, it just seems logical. It, it does, but then you have to look at um, how will humans react to different environments. Um, and perhaps we have to ask ourselves again, why are they so interested in humans, considering we're so volatile, we cannot survive in, in different environments. Mm-hmm. We're so specific that we can't even, we can only survive in this one specific environment if we look at aliens and ets they can survive naturally outer space the tic tac ufo said that um the 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 tic tac had plunged underwater um but humans we cannot even survive outer space they, we cannot survive underwater we're so specific to this one environment it's, but that would also kind of explain <clears throat> why they're testing us and if you believe that there's a secret space program happening where they're doing all kinds of genetic tests, that would also be explained. 
Yeah, that is true. That is true. And, and and I feel like with so much secrecy going on, there must be some sort of program, which is genetic testing, certainly. And even from the ET perspective, all of these abductions, all of these abductions, they they contain genetic testing. Do you think there's a, a human cloning program going on? Um, I personally, I'm, I'm quite cynical in this. I believe that humans are practically useless. Um, anything which we can do, they, they prove that they can do it. Um, for example, if we look at our um, military aircraft, um, they not they can not only create what we have, but they can also create a better version of it, which is more, which is essentially more effective and more powerful. Um, if you look at our spirituality, I feel like as humans, we lack that humanity. I mean, if we look at the bigger picture naturally, so that leads me to question: what good things? Could they possibly take from us, which 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 they don't have already? Hmm. Right. Exactly, and that's why I think it makes more sense that they would use this as a weapon. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's something which is, uh, which essentially doesn't have any significance, and they can afford to lose essentially. Hmm. Interesting. Um. <clears throat> Do you think that aliens took a part in the creation of the human race? Mm. Mm. No. That is a very <laughs> that that's a very philosophical question. Um, I that um, I guess it depends which perspective you take on. Um, if you want to look at it from, but but in a sense that humanity does look like one big test, doesn't it? Um, tailored to their own needs perhaps mm -hmm. and the more time passes the more I seem to agree with that idea to be honest um, it must um, from my well yeah in the sense that humanity and our actions and events it just seems like one big test and perhaps they, they, they tailored our genetics our intentions to carry out these specific tests. Hmm. Interesting. Um, then what would be the spiritual side of the test? How much you can connect to each other, I guess, to, uh, to different races, um, to different needs, even if we look at the, the amount of race, racism which you have. I feel like that is connected to our psyche, our ability to accept other people who are essentially different to us. Um, as humans, we're very discriminatory. Um, and that's when spirituality comes in. How, how, how able are we to connect with nature to a higher, to a higher power? Um, which eventually also shows how much we are able to connect with these beings, with these interdimensional beings. If we cannot accept people who come from different regions of the earth, how are we going to accept races which come from a different planet? That's a good hypothesis. And um, 
do you think maybe that's why this disclosure is happening as part of this test to see how we react to the existence of life from another planet? Well, certainly in that aspect, I feel like disclosure, when you look at it, it has two, two perspectives. The first one is a technological perspective where we have to sort of conform to the idea that they are technologically advanced. But then from a spiritual aspect and from a humanitarian aspect, are we able to accept that these beings come from different galaxies, different dimensions? And are we able to accept that? Right. Yeah, I mean, I think it seems like some of us are able to open ourselves up to these possibilities and others are not. Um, it is difficult, even for me sometimes, you know, when I do these type of interviews to, um, I don't know, open, my, uh, open myself up to the idea that all this could be real. And even if like 1% of it is real, it changes everything. Definitely. It, it certainly does. Yeah, even from every point of view, if this is, if we look at all the information we have, even if 1% of that is real, it changes everything, both spiritually and also uh, technologically. Mm -hmm. um, if we look at um, our national security, it changes everything. Yeah, and an interesting point I I noticed that the more research I carry out, the more I realize how terrifying the phenomenon is, and how scary it is. Essentially, how little power we have our over our own security. Essentially, they can wipe us out in an instant if they want to. They could, but in a way, I also find that kind of reassuring, knowing that they've been around for thousands and thousands of years and haven't. Yeah, yeah, most definitely, most definitely. Um, and actually, nowadays, we're understanding their technology more. Alas, we don't understand a lot of it, but we are able to understand that they, are, they possess technology which we, can, which we cannot replicate. And, and I guess the more time passes and the more information we're getting, the more I'm realizing how, how powerful they really are. Um, so what do you think is going to happen next with humanity? Do, do, do you think we are reaching the end? Um, well, I, I, I feel like if you look at the bigger picture, I mean, I feel like we're really, really playing with fire. I mean, the climate change is completely on another level nowadays. And is just going to keep getting worse, progressively worse. We're destroying each other. And the more time passes, we're losing our humanity towards each other. And that will be the end. Once you look at another human and you don't see the humanity in their eyes, that's when, that, that's when it's over, essentially. Do you think there is a chance that some of us will survive and start over or do you think that there's even a possibility that extraterrestrials will take some of the good humans and plant them somewhere else? I personally don't think so, for the simple reason that we're very volatile. Um, we're not able to live in different 
<clears throat> excuse me, in different uh, settings, so to speak, in different environments. And perhaps if this was all a test from uh, from there, and they can easily replicate it and start afresh. Hmm. Wow. So <clears throat> I don't know. It, it, why? <laughs> you know, it, it always comes back like, well, why do all this to begin with? Why did they start this test to start out? What was their? What is their motivation to create us and have us destroy each other and study us? Um, I, I mean, are we just like a freaking ant colony to them? Yeah, and that's that's what you just said. That's 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 sort of that's a perfect way to summarize it. You know, just why and all of these questions which come out like why do we do this why do we do that and i agree with you we are exactly like an ant colony to them in the sense that if you go in the kitchen you look at, you look at a bunch of ants carrying things around you don't bother trying to ask them questions you don't you don't you don't try to understand um how they see the world and i feel like it's the same towards them i feel like to them we're very primitive we're just we're just as primitive as ant colonies are to us. And all of these questions um, are exactly why <laughs> um, they would do such a thing, to find out these answers. Do, do you think that there's something that they want to learn about themselves by observing us? Just like we kind of do, like, 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 like we're back to the ant colony idea. The one thing that ant colonies can actually do that humans can't is work together. Yeah, yeah, indeed, indeed. And and that's exactly how it is, I feel like. I feel like we look at the ant colonies and realize that they can work together. And then perhaps the ETs look at us and realize, okay, they can really destroy each other. And so on and so forth, just keeps going back and back and back where each race looks at its inferior um look at an inferior race and learn something more and the higher you go up the more spiritual it becomes the higher the dimension the more one with the creation you really are the more one with the universe you you become hmm. i ask you a philosophical question who do you think is actually more advanced us or an ant colony um, my, obviously, selfishly, I would say us, because I can present all of these ideas which ants cannot do. But then if we look at uh, when you strip humans of everything, you look at their basic intentions, I would certainly say ant colonies. They do not value materialistic things, as far as I know, and they live their their survival is based on their community mm -hmm. something which we certainly do not do if anything we try to destroy other communities right humans don't make sense they really don't uh, and as i said the more time passes um the more i realize that we don't and the more i i find out um about the, the more research I carry out the phenomenon, the more, the less sense I make of humans and their behaviors. 
Yeah, it's weird. Um, do you think um, there is a reason why the space program, after you know a few missions to the moon, sort of came to a screeching halt and we stopped exploring space? Do you think we were warned not to go out there or that we weren't wanted? They don't want us to leave this planet because they're concerned about us infesting like the freaking galaxy. Yeah, yeah. Um, humans are parasites. Wherever we go, we destroy. Um, and after after uh, Apollo 11, after we landed on the moon, of course, there were other landings on the moon. But if you notice, we stopped going to the moon and now we're focusing on Mars. Um, but why haven't we gone to the moon in so long? Is there a reason why? Um, did, did we find something which um, prevents us from going back? And I always say this, humans are parasites. And if there's a race out there, um, perhaps let's take the moon, for example. If there's a race based on the moon, I certainly would think that they would try and prevent us from going there. I think so too. Maybe we're just not welcome. Yeah, yeah. So, <clears throat> you know, it, it's interesting. So, and I guess the you know the government would not want us to know any of this because then they would we would realize that the government is not the one in control. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, do you think? that the extraterrestrials are in control? Or do you think there's something even above that? Um, like some higher creative spiritual force in the universe? I mean, life uh, itself is a bizarre phenomenon. Consciousness yeah. is weird. Yeah, yeah. And, and exactly, if we look at it from a consciousness point of view, I feel like um, the more higher dimensional we become, the more purpose we get so to speak for example as humans in this life we're trying to figure out um, our spirituality you know but in an afterlife um our spiritual needs will shift to a higher dimension so to mm -hmm. speak so the more the higher dimension we are the higher dimension we become the higher our spiritual needs become until we eventually become one with creation. Do you think some of these ETs have reached that point where they're one with creation? Yeah, definitely. Um, definitely. And I feel like, for example, if we compare the Playarians to the Greys, um, there's a different dimension in them. Um, their intentions are different. Um, and I feel like if we go down the ladder, at the bottom of the ladder, we'll find humans. And the higher up, would go at the top of that ladder will be creation. Hmm. Interesting. So in your research, in some of the cases that you've written about, um, is there any cases that, that kind of um, lean towards this hypothesis? The hypothesis being... That, that, that there's some type of consciousness and a hierarchy of beings and we're at the lowest on the ladder? Yeah, um, my answer is based on a combination of, of cases. Um, if I compare, for example, 
Streber's abduction, uh, which was very experimental. A lot of experiments were conducted on him to Billy Myers, who sort of had a dialogue with, with these Playarians. It makes me wonder if these different alien races are sort of on this ladder. At the top of the ladder would be, for example, the Playarians, and then there would be the Greys, and at the bottom would be humans. To me, that's what makes sense philosophically. The more I try to make, the more I try to find answers, um, this is what I gravitate towards. This is the hypothesis I seem to gravitate towards because it makes the most sense to me. Right. Um, so, what do you think is going to happen? Do you think that the human race is just going to die here? Or do you think um, that they're going to try to save us? I feel like they did try to save us. Many attempts were made, um, and we just didn't listen. I feel like as for humanity itself, this is the end. Um, and perhaps that's, that's for the better. Uh, we're very destructive, and if we were to go somewhere else, I'm sure we would destroy that too. Um, but I feel like if we look at several abduction cases, we've, they've been warned multiple times of what was going to happen. And now that is happening. Even if we look at scientists who've been claiming that global warming is becoming worse and climate change is going to destroy the planet, a few years ago we didn't take that seriously. And now look at us now. Hmm. <clears throat> Are you afraid of... Like, how do you feel? Like, emotionally? Are you afraid of witnessing the destruction of the human race, personally? Like, how does it make you feel? Um, of course, the thought of it is terrifying, you know. Um, it's very terrifying. But in a sense, it, being so helpless in it, it makes you give in all the power you have. The no power that we have, essentially. I, myself, all of us, so to speak, we don't have any power. And once you give up that idea of power is when you accept it. We have this idea that we have so much power, we have so much control, but in reality, we don't have any. And once you give up, trying to convince yourself that you do have power and control, that's when you accept it. You accept reality as it is. If the human race is destroyed, do you believe that humans have souls that can still be salvaged in the afterlife or another dimension? Yeah, yeah that, that's what makes, brings me comfort, I guess. The idea that our soul lives on and perhaps it enters a different dimension. Um, that's what brings me comfort. It, no, whether that is true or not, of course, I don't know. But there must be a higher reason to why we're here. And in this life, we are learning certain things. We're on a spiritual journey. And when this journey comes to an end, when we die, a new journey begins. Hmm. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I hope you. I hope that's how it is, because that gives me comfort also. Um, the idea of just complete annihilation and oblivion in a meaningless yeah. universe is painful. Yeah, me. it is. It is. It really is. Yeah, it's just awful. Really, it just seems so senseless. Like, yeah. Other. It, 
exactly there's no purpose in the, in it in reality which is why there must be something else or maybe our constant look for purpose is one of our weaknesses yeah maybe yeah. maybe that is it maybe our lack of acceptance of just an empty void oblivion is what causes all our strife exactly and in trying to find that purpose um we do things which destroy us as well yes um wow we went really deep man <laughs> yeah <laughs> this guy maybe the deepest uh ufo et episode i've ever done um yeah it's crazy uh do you think this is the last generation on Earth? That's close to being, I think. If it's not the last, it's close to be. It, we're getting there. Um, uh, the more time passes, the closer to the, the closer we get. Right. In a lot of spiritual texts, you know, it, it'll they, they predict the end of the world, things like the Bible, the Mayan calendar, things like that. Do you think that this was maybe just orchestrated from the very beginning, and that's why these prophecies exist? It certainly seems to be, doesn't it? Um, if you look at all these prophecies, it's as though our destiny has been determined, predetermined rather, um, and it's all about destiny, I guess. Um, the idea of our reality being predetermined prior to our birth yeah, I would say so, yes. That's these prophecies, that's the only way they make sense. Right. Another possibility is that time doesn't exist, and the ETs have looked forward into time. Yeah, in sense of time travel, and I guess if you are able to manipulate gravity, you are able to travel um, in, in space and time, naturally, and that allows them to warn us of mm -hmm. certain things certain behaviors. Do you think that any of these ETs are human time travelers? No, I don't think so. I feel like um, if we do consider that we're giving humans a lot of power, a lot of credit where it's not due, um, I don't think that we're at that point where we're able to do any of that. I don't think we're, we'll, we'll ever be at that point. So no, I don't think so. Hmm. So personally, what is it that you get from researching the UFO ET phenomenon? Um, that's a good question. What I get is, I guess, the truth, which I'm not exposed to in everyday life. In everyday life, we focus on our small circle, our small bubble, which is Earth. But it's so much bigger than that. We're not alone, we never were, and that, that is very philosophical in itself. I personally, I am a very philosophical person, and the idea of ignoring a different civilization, I just, it, it doesn't settle with me. To me, these, this book, which I wrote, it's not about UFOs, it's not about lights in the sky, it's about, it's beyond that, it's about this race which has technology which we cannot comprehend it's about this race which is so spiritually advanced uh, and we're ignoring that and the, and the governments they're keeping that information from us 
and this is why I do it to find out more. Uh, the more I research it, the more I learn about myself as well. The more I learn about humanity. Since you've been doing this, have you had any um, interaction with governments or other uh, organizations that have tried to prevent you from putting this information out? No, but I'll tell you this, that to get information, it's close to impossible. To get actual documents, to get actual information, that's a struggle in itself. Um, writing this book, the biggest struggle was getting the information. And the lack of accessibility, it makes you give up, almost. It, it's so difficult. It's so difficult to the point that at one point, it's like, why bother, you know? Um, but when you start asking yourself that, that is why you need to keep bothering. That's why you need to keep pushing. Yeah. Why do you think there are so many people like you and me now coming forward and trying to get information out now? Why are we doing this to begin with? I feel like it boils down to the person. I feel like the more philosophical you are as a person, the more spiritual you are to a person, the more you're going to gravitate towards the phenomenon, to, 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 to the unknown, to, to mysteries. Um, I feel like as people, this group of people, this cohort is not okay with not knowing, is not okay with uh, the unidentified is not good enough. You, know, you always need to know more. Um, and, and for me personally, I, that is why I do it because this is beyond humanity, you know? So it's a quest for knowledge. True. Yeah, that is, that is it. Um, having a curious mind um, and staying curious, um, that is the, the most powerful tool which we have as humans, curiosity. And that curiosity, it, it drives us towards finding out the truth, yeah. uh, which is why we have to keep asking questions and keep researching. I feel like the less in touch you are with with your spirituality, naturally, you're not going to bother with these type of questions. You're okay with daily life, you're okay. And that's okay too, you know, I feel like sometimes that is even better. Um, but, but I feel like the more spiritually inclined you are, the more inclined you are to actually ask these questions. Do you ever feel like this shit's just gonna make you go insane? Oh yeah, definitely, <laughs> definitely. Um, like I said, um, when I wrote this book and as I keep doing my research, the second I, I get an answer to one thing, I come up with 10 questions which I cannot answer. Uh, and that list of questions it just keeps getting longer and longer. Um, and that is very frustrating, I'll tell you that. Hmm. How about ridicule from other people? Did anybody, any people say like, like why, why are you wasting your time yeah. chasing something that you know you're never actually going to get a complete answer to. I mean, at the definitely. best, we're both, any of us are going to get scraps at the best. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I feel like we'd be deluded if we, if, if we thought that we're, we're going to um, reach full disclosure. But I get that so much, and, and I get ridiculed for even having this interest. Uh, practically, each time I have a conversation about it, Me too. why bother? Like, the question is why bother and and you know, nowadays i don't even try to convince people i don't try to even um explain myself 
those are the type of people which I do not essentially um, socialize with. Mm -hmm. It's certainly a waste of energy, in my opinion. Yeah, it is. You know, but but a lot of people feel like, like that. They they just look at it and like, well, why are you doing this? You know, like, yeah. Like, like why do you like, care? You know, we're, we're humans. We're here, live, make money, have sex, die. Yeah, exactly. And and then I and then I ask them, if they believed in God. If they believe in God, then the answer would be yes. And then I ask them, why bother? You know, <laughs> um, they tell me why bother. They ask me why do I bother in trying to find out the truth, uh, and chasing the unknown. But then I ask them why bother in believing in a God, which you, which essentially cannot communicate with directly. And that's when I catch them in a contradiction. That's when I catch them in a contradiction. You know. Mm -hmm. Me too. I ha I do the same thing, and I want to ask you another philosophical question. What do you think of people who claim they know what God? Once. I feel like that's bullshit, to be honest, um, <laughs> in the sense that <laughs> it depends what their definition of God is. My, mm -hmm. definition, my definition of God is a higher power, and to me, a higher power is a spirit, your own spirituality. Um, now, if you take the definition and you know that you, in your own spirituality, you need more of this and you, in, or you need more of that, then yeah, you do know what God wants out of you. But if you believe that God is this bearded man in the sky, um, which, or, or God or Allah, uh, then you can't really know, can you? I don't think humans are capable of understanding that level of consciousness, period. Yeah, yeah, that's it. And that's anybody it. who says they do is full of it. Yeah, that's it. It's, uh, spirituality. Yeah, and, and consciously we're just not there at all it's like the ant trying to understand the human exactly that's it that's it yeah I agree completely <laughs> so um, before we wrap it up what are you working on now you working on any new books or anything I'm working on the second book um, it's still I'm still in the beginning of it um, um, I'm working on a book about abductions this time um, it would be very similar to the first book, um, but I'm still in the early process of it. I'm going to take my time with it to make sure that all of the information there is accurate um, and objective. So I'll definitely be working on that for the foreseeable future. Interesting. Can you give me a little uh, sneak peek of what's kind of any cases that I've heard about that might be included in this new book? Yeah, definitely. So obviously, I'll be mentioning um, Streber, and I interviewed Streber last year, and I'll be including my interview with him in that book. Um, I'll be including the Betty and Barney Hill uh, mm. using using documents essentially obtained through the University of New Hampshire, where um, I used Betty's personally personal diaries to come mm. up with the information. Have you talked to uh, Kathleen Martin about it? Yeah, yeah, I, I've, I've actually, um, the book she, she wrote with Stanton, mm -hmm. um, it's been pivotal, of course, um, and the information she has about her aunt, it's, you can't get, in, you can't get that anywhere else, of no. course. <laughs> no, yeah, I just talked to her recently. Um, how about any um, 
Any any so so um, Whitley Stryver, Freddie Barney Hill, and then other. Uh, ha, ha, have you talked to what is her name? Aaron Montgomery. No, I haven't. I haven't. Um, Terry Lovelace. No, no. Um, they all have really interesting cases too. Okay. They're okay. people that I've interviewed. Hmm. So, so so is this next book going to be like a chronological order, like starting like with Betty and Barney Hill and moving to more recent cases, or um, something the, like that, or is it going to take a different type of track? Uh, the approach I'm taking with this book is essentially I'm going to get the most convincing cases and the cases which have the the most proof, and I'm going to compile them all in a book. So that when you combine the first book with the second book. It's essentially a massive information dump of proof. Mm-hmm. Um, and then once I finished the second book, I would have essentially focused on the foundation of the phenomenon, which are UFO sightings and abductions. And then I'll get into the conscious side of it, the spiritual side of the phenomenon. Yeah. That's one of the things I was talking to with Kathleen about was... Um, that person's name, her name, I think her name was Francis. That was part of the Betty Barney Hill case who started having psychic communication with extraterrestrials. And some of that, her channelings went all the way to the office of the president and then sort of disappeared. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah. It, it, it's in Captured. She, she mentions it briefly in Captured. And... I don't know. It, it, it's sort of like one of the part. It's like one of the parts of that story that still needs is, is is unanswered. It needs to be chased down. Okay. Okay. It's fascinating. Yeah. What do you think of some of the ET channeling stuff? But that's it's like the most the part. It's unexplainable, isn't it? It's you cannot explain that, and. It's so difficult to even comprehend it, like how it happens or why it happens. And that is part of the phenomenon, which is more, it's more on the complex side of it, the more spiritual side of it, and a, a method of communication that is so complex. It's very complex. Very. Um, another, one last question. I, I've been reading. Um, convoluted universe by Dolores Cannon you know in information that she obtained through hypnotic regression do you think that is a reliable way to gain information that is a big question which we must ask ourselves when we get information through it especially in abduction cases um, now in hypnotic regression we know that people are open to suggestibility um, but I believe that hypnotic regression is crucial because it allows people to access information which is just too traumatic when they try to access it, access it consciously. Um, now, the question which we must ask ourselves is, the information which we're getting through hypnotic regression, is it lining up with other, um, uh, with other information the person is providing, with other events the person has been through? Is there any evidence to support it? Um, and... And if there isn't, then you have to keep in mind that the information cannot be 100% reliable. Mm. 
all the information he gets through hypnotic regression, it's it is open. The person is open to suggestibility. Now, if that, if those claims are are corroborated through other things, then yeah, it is reliable. But if it is not, then you have to have an open mind that um, it could be the person being open to suggestibility. All right. At what point do you, does something become, you know, something, uh, you know, part of the story that a person is telling to something that's reliable information? Like, obviously, what we're looking for is common denominators. You know? Yeah. Like, like at, at this point, we all accept, like, um, missing time as a common denominator, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. It's, it's been so prevalent. But at the same yeah. time, there is no demarcation that says that this is a common denominator and it must be accurate exactly um, and that is why abductions are more complex than UFO sightings because they lack that physical evidence most of the time and other pointers I look at is the psychological trauma the physiological trauma um, those are good pointers which can sort of prove that the abduction is credible and perhaps the motives that the person capitalize from the abduction. If they have, then could this be a fiction? If they haven't, then they wouldn't have any reason for lying. Do you think of, I mean, one of the things like, like with Buffon and things like that, I wonder if they keep any of these common denominators secret to help them validate certain points of information because if it's public then everybody's just going oh well i'm going to put this in my story because i know it's been told a million other stories that will have to be determined as valid but if they keep certain bits of information that they know are common denominators secret so when they're investigating cases that might be a way to do it exactly that is a good point and i feel like sometimes the less information the public knows um the better in the sense these common denominators you have to keep them in mind i know if the public is aware of these um it certainly could mean that we can create stories based on these denominators yeah interesting so many rabbit holes <laughs> yeah indeed. so um i'm looking forward to your new book and before we wrap it up where can my listeners find you and find your existing so in my, my book, Evidence of Extraterrestrials, is available on Amazon um, or anywhere else you buy your books. Um, and you can follow me on Facebook. Uh, I post there regularly about the phenomena, the phenomenon, um, especially nowadays since we're getting more information. If you want to get in touch with me, feel free to do so. Um, and that's where you can find me, yeah. Awesome. Well, again, I will post a link to your book on Amazon and um, so my listeners can buy it after listening to this episode. And uh, thank you for coming back on again. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Hang on for one moment and I'm just going to play the outro. Message him at everythingimaginable2020 at gmail.com.
Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. You can buy t-shirts, coffee mugs, and other merchandise to support the cost of producing this podcast. Click on the merchandise link at the top of this page, www.everythingimaginable2020.com.